Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. And I, I really believe this. I believe this in my heart. When I got back, Pastor Matt asked me, he goes, okay, what are you preaching? What, what are you going to share now that you're back? Are we going to go into the new series? I said, no, I, can't, I just can't shake this feeling because I don't feel like we're doing a series right now. I really feel like with On the Verge that we are really making a prophetic declaration over your lives. That, that we, are, we, are, we are creating a new um, tomorrow in our lives through this word of On the Verge. Because some of you are really on the verge of breakthrough. You're on the verge of God doing something so transformational in your family, in your life, that you don't even recognize it. Because things have gotten so bad for some of you that all you see is the negative, not realizing that it's always darker, be darkest before the light. And I need you to understand that if you would not give up, if you could hang in there in the midst of all hell busting loose against you, that you would find out that hell is coming against you because it realizes that heaven is about to break out on you. I want you to stand to your feet and turn to your neighbor, slap your neighbor, tell him I'm on the verge. Now, I want you to tell your other neighbor, I'm about to be set free. I'll tell him, about to slap him again. I don't think he got it the first time. I meant for you to hit him, not the other way around, man. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I'm going to read out of two different versions here, the, the King James and the Message version. And the King James version reads this way. And let us not grow weary in doing well, for in due season, someone say due season. I need you to understand your season's about to change. You're about to step into a new season in your life. That you, in, for in due season, we will reap if we faint not. I need you to understand that in the midst of everything going on in America right now, all hell is breaking loose. More, more cops in, in Baton Rouge were killed this morning. There is chaos in America right now. Everyone is up in arms, but I'm here to tell you right now that things, as though they may be bad, that things might be tough right now, I'm here to tell you that there is no better time for us to be alive, no greater opportunity for the church to rise, no greater time for light to shine than when darkness begins to rise up. I'm here to tell you that we are on the verge not just as an individual but as a nation. Revival is about to hit this nation because things cannot continue to continue to get bad but we are on the verge of seeing God break loose. If just one person would cry out and say God I'm ready let it start with me. We will see a transformation take place he says this in the message version, so let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. Some of you are getting tired. Come on, some of you moms, you're tired of your kids. Don't say it. Don't, don't raise your hands. Don't, 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 don't raise your hands. Some of you fathers, you're getting tired of going to work. So you're getting tired of dealing with them same old problems. You're getting tired of dealing with the same old issues. You're getting tired of dealing with the same old struggles. And yet in the midst of all these things, I want you to understand how many of you have ever done the right thing, but the wrong thing keeps happening. Yeah. 
It's frustrating. I'm here to tell you, let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. In other words, you keep doing good when bad keeps happening. Pastor, I want to go up. Keep doing good. Why? Because this is the promise. At the right time, not your time, at the right time. Somebody say right time. Right tell your neighbor, right time. Right Turn to your another neighbor, tell them right time. Right so at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or don't quit. Now tell your neighbor, don't quit. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Come on, somebody shout on the verge. You're on the verge of breakthrough. I'm telling you, you're on the verge of one of the greatest moves of God in your life. And I want you to notice something here about an individual by the name of Paul and Silas. Now, I can already tell I'm out of preaching shape already. My, my rib cage is already beginning to lock up and I got cramps starting in my rib cage already. By the time I'm done with the second service, uh, my back is in, in spasms and my, my rib cage because I, I exert so much when I preach. And now it's already started. We're barely in the second service in the first couple minutes of it. And so if I have to tap out, Pastor Ant, be ready. Okay? Be ready. Acts chapter... Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, can I get one that's not open? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just playing. Just playing. I want you to notice this in Acts chapter 16. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 26. We're going to talk about a couple of individuals by the name of Paul and Silas. And many of you, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this story already. But I want to kind of set up what's going on and what's taking place with Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, tells this story. And we're going to just read verse 25 to start. It says, but at midnight, someone say midnight. It, things happen when days change. When, when midnight goes to it, midnight means that the new day is about to dawn. That means that one day is ended and a new one is starting. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, then suddenly there was a great earthquake. I preached a series of messages years ago called the season of suddenly. That suddenly breakthrough happens. Suddenly you see God move. Suddenly all of a sudden healing shows up. But suddenly doesn't happen unless you prepare yourself. Suddenly only takes place when you work. Suddenly only takes place when you prepare. You don't have a suddenly without doing some planting. You don't have a sudden harvest without doing some sowing. And it says suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were, were shaken. And immediately all the doors, somebody say all. All the doors were opened and everyone, someone say everyone's. Everyone's chains were loose. So not just Paul and Silas. Everyone was set free. Now, I want you to notice something about these, these events. Paul and Silas are, are, are finding themselves in a very precarious situation. But before we go there, I want to kind of rewind a little bit and take you back to when Paul, whose name was Saul at the time, first got saved, first got converted. He was a murderer. He was, think, think about the worst terrorist that you could come up with. The worst, one of the most crazy Islamic terrorists that you could think of, that's who Saul was at that time. 
Because he was killing Christians, he was going after them, and his main job was to destroy the church. But as a result, he had an encounter with God. I'm here to tell you something, that many of you are beginning to think that that person in your family that is unsavable, God can transform them. Oh, come on. Hey, you know how I know that? Because you were that person in your family before that person. Say it again, Pastor, because some of you, your family thought, oh, that person never going to get saved. God can never do anything with that person. But if God could save you, he could save them. And I want you that someone has to believe for them. So Paul has this encounter with God. But all the, all the uh, apostles were scared to death to even talk to Saul. Because they thought that he was just clowning, that he was just playing 007, that he was just kind of play, playing a double agent, and that he was going to end up killing them. So they were afraid to engage with him back then until a man by the name of Barnabas steps up and his name meant son of encourager. How many of you have had those people in your life that are just encouragers? Come on. You know who I'm talking about, that person that every time you talk to them, you just feel like you can run through a wall after talking to them. You're, 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 you're down, you don't, you don't want to get, and all of a sudden you see that person and they just inspire you. They, they just encourage you. And you know, that, that's what Barnabas was. He was an encourager to Paul to the point where he embraces him. He takes him to meet the apostles. The apostles get to know him as well. And he was the only one that believed in Saul when no one else believed in him. I'm here to tell you that we all need someone to believe in us when no one else will. I'm here to tell you, I believe in you. If no one else will believe in you, your pastor will believe in you. I'll believe in your potential. I'll believe that God can do something. I'm here to tell you I believe in you. I believe in your future, your talents, your abilities. I believe even more than that. I believe in my God's ability to transform your life. Now follow me. What ends up happening, Paul and Silas go out and they begin to share the gospel. And they go out and just start planting churches like crazy. Well, on the way, they take the, Barnabas's nephew by the name of John Mark. And they take him with them on this trip. And on the trip, John Mark gets to the point where things get hard and he abandons them. He leaves them. And Paul's like, shoot, where, where's this kid going? See, Paul was very mission-orientated. He was about getting the job done. He wasn't very relational in his early ministry. Now, you know how, what I'm talking Some of you are mission people. You, you're type A people. You know what I'm talking about? Get the job done. You don't care. You'll yell at people. You'll step on them. But you want the job done because the mission is the most important thing. That was Paul in the early days. And Barnabas was all about encouragement. Oh, man, hey, hey, you can do this, man. That's his name, son of encouragement. And if it wasn't for that encouragement spirit, Paul wouldn't be where he's at today. But Paul doesn't recognize the need for encouragement for John. He wants John to be where he's at already. And so when he leaves them... They, they, they come back, and they're about to take another trip. And Barnabas says, hey, man, I want to bring John with us. And Barnabas is like, I want to take John. John's valuable. He wants to go. And Paul's like, uh-uh. He's not ready. He abandoned us last time. Things got hard, and he left us. I'm not taking him again. And they argued. How many of you have ever had conflict? Some of y'all, your middle name is conflict. <laughs> Some of y'all are drama. Wherever you go, there's drama. I see you. How you doing? Oh, well, pastor, you know. The, the reality is this, is that conflict's not bad. How many married people are in the house? Say amen. That wasn't very loud. <laughs> amen. amen. 
How many married people are in the house? Yeah. All right, that's a little better. Not much better, but a little better. In marriage, conflict isn't bad. It's a sign that you're communicating. Let me try this side. <laughs> Let me try this side. Conflict's not bad in a marriage. It just means you're communicating. All right? But what makes, what, what, what determines whether conflict is good, is good or bad is how you work through it. Because whenever you have two different lives that are communicating, how many, okay, let me take it to the single adults or, or, or in, and just uh, uh, adults. Let me ask you this. How many have friends that you've had conflict with? Right? So conflict's part of life. Whenever you're sharing ideas from, uh, from another, there's going to be conflict. How you deal with that is going to determine whether you're going to get bitter or get better. And so we have to learn how to work through our conflicts correctly through Christ to be able to work through these things. The dissension got so bad between the two of them. The Bible says that Paul goes one direction and Barnabas goes another. Now, John Mark, he eventually ends up becoming the one that writes the book of Mark. And so later on in Paul's ministry, Paul says, hey, bring John Mark for he's profitable. So I need you to understand, just because your pastor or a man of God or even Paul the Apostle gives up on you, God doesn't give up on you. Oh, come on. I mean, Paul, Paul is like, you know, this guy's nothing. He's not going to amount to anything. Get him out of here. And all of a sudden, he's writing a book in the Bible. So even though someone gives up on you, you need to know God hasn't given up on you. You've never gone too far from the grace of God. Are you still with me this morning? So I want you to see what happens here. But Paul, they, they have this conflict, and so Paul and Silas go on. Barnabas and Mark go another direction. And when they go, all of a sudden, something takes place here. Something ha- happens, and my, my iPad isn't uh, cooperating with me. Come on, brother. You're on vacation. You are on vacation, too. But I want take take a look at this. Let's go, go go back see what happens here. They go to a city, and as they're ministering there, Paul and Silas, new relationship. As they're they're going through the city, they got this girl that's following them around, following around them, and she keeps yelling, "These men are servants of the Most High God." Now it was true, right? But I want you to notice that this young lady was demon possessed, and she was a slave to some slave owners. And she had a demon in her that had the ability to foretell the future. And so they had her in bondage. They used her demonic oppression to make money off of her condition. Sounds terrible, but we do that today. We have people that are addicted to drugs and we have dealers that are taking care of their need and making a living off of their bondage. We got individuals that are, that young ladies that are coming in uh, that, that, are, that have nowhere to go and people are putting them into bondage and selling them as prostitutes and sex slaves. And in the middle of this bondage that's going on, the Bible says that after a, a, almost a whole week that this is going on, Paul gets tired of it. See, I need you to understand that there's some people around you that are going through some bondages and they need you to get to the point where you're tired of the bondage that they're going through. That Paul stops and he turns around and says, be delivered. And he casts the demon out of her immediately. He probably could have done it earlier on. And the moment he does that, instead of the people getting excited that she was set free, listen, you got some friends that don't want you to be free. Because they don't want to go to the club by themselves. 
Come on. They, they don't want to get high by themselves. They, 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 don't, they don't want to go nowhere by themselves. They don't want your marriage to get whole because their marriage broke up. They don't want you getting back with, together with your spouse. They don't want you working things out because they want you to stay in the same bondage that they're stuck in. I'm, I need you to understand something. I'm, 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 I'm taking you somewhere with this. Notice this. So he turns around, he delivers her, and, and the, the owners just lost their moneymaker. This girl was making a money, and so as a result, they rise up and they get the whole community upset about her deliverance. And as a result, they beat Paul and Silas, but before they beat them, they strip their clothes off of them naked. Then they whip them with rods. Their backs are busted open. They're bleeding. And as a result, through this whole situation and everything that they've gone, they've gotten beaten, they've gotten bloodied. Now they take them, and the Bible says that they're taken to the inner dungeon of the prison. Now, the inner dungeon, according to scholars, literally is this, that they're taken to a place where it's not... Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I was going to say, how many of you have been to prison? But we're at C-Dub. And so that, that can... I've been to jail. That could be a lot of people, okay? So keep your hands down. We don't want to freak anyone out here, okay? But stay with me, all right? I, I want you to notice what happens is that the jail doors in, in this, these places would normally swing this way, okay? But when you would go to the inner dungeon, the inner dungeon, the gate swung up. You would open it up because it was a hole in the ground that someone sat inside of. And when they put him inside there, I'm going to turn this way so I don't offend anyone. They would put him in stocks, wooden stocks in their, in their legs and spread their legs out as far as they could get it so they're in an uncomfortable position and chained as well. And so Paul and Silas are naked, beaten, stripped down, and in bondage. Not just in jail, but in a dungeon. And that explains for many of you in here today the condition that you're in right now. In your marriage, in your mental, uh, mental stability, in your finances, there's many of us right now that have been totally locked down. We can't move, we're uncomfortable, we're struggling, and in the midst of all these things, these men are, 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 are beaten down, and they're, 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 they're hidden. I gotta, under, I gotta question, I gotta ask myself in these times, what, God, did, did we make the wrong choice? Did maybe, maybe this, this, maybe I should have went with Barnabas. I should have never brought Silas with me. Never had this problem when Silas was, when Barnabas was here. And many times we end up judging the goodness of God based on our condition. Say it again, Pastor. We, we judge the goodness of God based on our condition. We look at our crisis or our situation, and if things are good, then God's good. But if things are bad, then God is bad. And I need you to understand that God is good. God is good all the time. He never changes. Whether your situation is good, whether it's bad, whether you're free or whether you're in bondage, whether you're running around or whether you're locked up, I need you to understand that my God, my God, my God is good all the time and He never changes. He's good. Don't you dare allow your crisis or situation 
to get you to start looking at God as whether God is good or bad just because you're going through a tough situation at that moment. And we judge God's goodness based on our condition. But I want you to understand something here. It's very easy to conclude that maybe they had missed out on God, but there's three things I want you to understand. And, you know, in these days, we don't, very few people take notes. They take pictures. So when we put these three things up here, I want you to, to, to write these down, put these into your spirit. So number one, you cannot judge God's goodness based on your crisis. Second thing I want you to understand is this, that good and bad happen to everyone, Right? No matter who you are, you're going to have good times, you're going to have some bad times. How many have had some good times in your life? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, everything's just, you get all the green lights on the way to work, right? You know, you, you, husbands, you wake up and there's actually breakfast made for you. It's just, just a great, it's a God, God shows up and there's breakfast. It's amazing. Go to Starbucks and the car in front of you pays for you? Oh, come on, somebody. He's about to speak in tongues in a moment here, huh? You go to work, you find out you got a raise, right? Come on, somebody. Come on. Oh, everything's just working out great. Then you have those not-so-good days. Come on. How many have ever had a bad day? How many have ever had a bad life? Don't put your hands up. Don't. Wake up in the morning. It's not toothpaste. It's preparation H. Your wife leans over to you and says, man, I love you, Bill, but your name is Bob. Oh, sorry, Bill. <laughs> told him I would change the name in the second service. <laughs> you ever had those bad days? It's just, just bad things, you know, you're standing there and the dog pees on you. Just a, a bad day. We, we have bad days, and I want you to understand that the third thing is, is that it's the key is, is how we respond to each one of these crises. How you respond to things is more important than what you go through. And we, we all go through, listen, I've gone through some struggles in life. I've gone through some battles. You know, every one of us has gone through some battles that you have a right to give up. You have a right to walk away from God. You have a right. No one would, no one would give a twisted eye to you because you would walk away because of the things you've gone through. But I need you to understand how we respond to things is, is powerful as to whether we're going to be set free in our lives or not. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says this, you know, the, the, I think the King James Version puts it this way, that God sends the rain and, and shines on the, the good and the bad, or the good and the evil. But the, the uh, message version puts it this way. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm, the, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good or the bad, the, nas- the nice or the nasty. So even you nasty people get a rainy day, you get a sunny day. Even you nice people get a sunny day and you get a rainy day. Why? Because all of us have a good day and a bad day at one time or another. How you respond to it is the important thing. Now, I submit to you, Paul and Silas are having a tough day. Right? How many of you have been stripped, beaten with rods, and locked into a dungeon recently? (laughs) <laughs> that's a, a pretty, that's a whole nother world right there. 
Paul and Silas, look at, look at verse 25, but at midnight. Somebody say midnight. I want to give you three points quickly, three principles on breaking free of your dungeons. Breaking free in your prisons. First thing I want you to know is this. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're never going to get free if you're feeling sorry for yourself. You're never going to break an addiction. You're never going to heal a marriage. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to heal your body. You're never going to get out of that situation. The longer you sit there and feel sorry for yourself, you'll never change the situation. you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. First thing that we do when we have a, you know, if Paul and Silas had Facebook or Twitter or had, had Snapchat, first thing they do is as soon as they started getting beat, I'm getting beat for the gospel. Getting beat for the Getting, getting beat for the gospel. You know, all I did was set her free. Getting beat. Oh, Jesus, where are you? That's the first thing they would have done. It would have been all over social media. Getting beat by the cops right now. The cops are beating me right now. They would have went off. and We would have just looked for people to start rallying and people to start standing up against and everything. Paul and Silas took their beating, find themselves in the middle of, of a dungeon, of a prison, beaten, bruised, and battered. I'm here to tell you, I don't know why you're in your situation. I don't know what's brought you to your situation, but I'm here to tell you, stop feeling sorry for yourself and get ready for a breakthrough. Second thing they did is when they stopped feeling sorry for them. So you imagine sitting there, you, you need a good friend in a situation like that. You ever been around a complainer? Look what they did to us. <laughs> I would last week I was sitting home watching Monday Night Football. I come with you and we minister to one lady, and all of a sudden now we're beaten. We're bad. I'm naked. I'm beaten. Look, I want my mama. I want to go home. Paul, I'm not hanging out with you no more, man. Imagine Silas. Silas had to be. He had to be strong. Listen, some of you got to. You got to check out who you're hanging out with. Because it's not what you're going through, it's who you're going through it with. And instead of breaking through your situation, you got that whiner, you're you're chained to that whiner. And instead of them pushing you through, (laughs) instead of them pushing you through for breakthrough, they're bringing you down. And you need someone that's going to encourage you. You need someone that's going to empower you. You're going to need, I need someone in the middle of that battle. Why have we been married? How have we made it through 27 years of marriage? It's because in the times that I'm down, she's sitting there. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Pull yourself back up. Come on. We can do this. We can move this. We can make it happen. You need someone in life that is going to partner with you to move forward. You got to make a choice, secondly. See, they made a choice to pray. You know, prayer invites God to intervene in your situation. Now, I, I, don't, I, I need you to understand something. In, in many of our crises, we don't pray, we complain. But we call our complaining prayer. God, I don't know why you gave me this woman. I don't know why you gave me this man. I don't know why I, these kids, God, I don't know whose kids these are because these definitely are my kids. I'm going to go on Maury and try to figure out whose kids these are. 
God, why, you know, I, I've been giving and I've been giving and here I'm still broke. My, my, my washing machine broke down. The car broke down. And we're, we're doing the right thing, but the wrong thing keeps happening. You find yourself beginning to complain instead of pray. And I love the fact that notice that the Bible says that they were praying and that about at midnight they were praying and praising. The Greek word means that they had been doing it before that. Midnight was the breaking point. But the prayer and praising had happened way before. You, 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 didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, even, you didn't even hear that. Because most of us won't start praying and praising until after the chains fall off. But that's why the chains are still on. You see, the Greek implies a continual active prayer. You've prayed that prayer, God, are you just getting me out of this? God, just get me out of this one. I'll serve you forever. Oh, God, please just don't let her be pregnant. God, I'll, I'll, I'll love you forever. God, God, get me, get me out of this sentence, God. You know, let, let me just get probation. I'll serve you forever. God, just, just, you know, please, please don't let my mom find those things, God. I'll serve you forever. And we find ourselves making all these deals with God, but I'm here to tell you something. You can't manipulate God. We're, we're master manipulators, y'all. Oh, come on. We, we, we try to manipulate God. Because as soon as we find out we're in trouble, we show up to church. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I appreciate you coming. You know, it encourages me. I get, I get depressed when y'all don't show up. It hurts. I take it personal. You're not here. It's like, oh, they don't like me no more. But I want you to understand something that you can't, when in the middle of a situation, we start praying because we believe, well, then God's going to show up. Paul and Silas didn't pray because they thought they were going to be delivered. They didn't praise expecting any jail doors to swing open. They didn't praise because they thought that the earth was going to shake. That had never happened before. All they did, they knew it was the prayer and praise was the right thing to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to allow the prison around me to become the prison inside me. I'm going to praise God no matter what my condition is. I'm going to worship God no matter what my surroundings are. If my marriage is bad, you're still God. If my finances is bad, you're still God. If my mind is bad, you are still God. And I will not change my praise to match my situation. Excuse me. These brothers are naked, bleeding, chained, and in stocks. And yet they still made a choice to praise and to pray. When are you going to make the choice? When are you going to make the choice to praise, to pray? Do you have to be in bondage before you start praying and acknowledging God? Do you have to be in bondage before you invite God into your situation? Because what prayer does, it invites God to intervene. See, God gave us authority. Miles Monroe says that God gave man dominion on the earth, which means we have authority on the earth. 
and that what prayer does, it invites God. Because God is so much into authority that God will not supersede authority because all authority comes from God. So when we pray, we give God permission to come down to the earth because the earth is our domain. It gives God permission to operate on earth. So prayer acknowledges God, you're, you're in charge of everything. But I'm praying because I'm inviting you into this situation. And we go back to the Old Testament. Throughout the whole Old Testament, you see this. The angels ascending and descending. Ascending and descending. Everyone say ascending and descending. That you always see, which means that the angels are ascending, meaning that they're starting on earth and they go to heaven. And then when they reach heaven, they come back down to earth. Okay? Now, angel is a messenger. Now, follow me on this. If we all have our own guardian angel, an angel that takes, according to the word, that takes the prayers of the saints and then goes up to heaven... And pours out the prayers of the saints before God at the throne. And then they come back down with an answer from God. Ascending. But if you are not praying. Angels are warring beings. And your angel ain't got nothing to do. Because when you don't pray, angel's like, I want to go. I haven't been at the throne in a while because you haven't prayed. And if you would just pray, not complain, you would pray. I can go see him again. And I can pour out all your requests before him. And he can give me the solution to come down and bring it to you. And many of the problems that we're facing aren't to destroy you, but they're to get you to pray. To get you to acknowledge God. And your angel can't do anything if all you're doing is complaining about your situation. You, you imagine being Paul's angel? Silas's angel? They're like, oh man, these guys are getting beaten. Oh, we're about to get busy in a moment. Oh, now they're naked? Ooh, it's really on. Man, we're going to be running up to heaven. Hey, call some more angels because this is going to get real in a moment. And so they start calling even more angels together because they know that Paul is going to pray. They know that Silas is going to praise and there's going to be a breakthrough that's about to happen. Oh, somebody stay with me in a moment here. So I'm here to tell you this. E.M. Bounds says this. When it's harder to pray, pray harder. When it's harder to pray, pray harder. When it's harder to pray, pray harder. And their prayers end up turning into praise. You see, what, what ends up happening here, they, they end up breaking free. How do they break free? Number one, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Number two, Omaha, if you could help me. Number two, you got to make a choice. But lastly, number three, don't give up. Don't give up. Whether the chains fall off your hands or whether the jail doors open or not, don't give up. Because you're not praying and praising to be set free. You're praying and praising to invite the presence of God into your dungeon. You're just acknowledging that God's worthy regardless of what's around you. You're not trying to get out. You're trying to get God in. 
Oh, you didn't hear that. You're not trying to get out of the situation. You're trying to get God in. And too many times we're trying to escape our situations rather than inviting God in to our situation. And he invites him in. Something so powerful takes place at midnight. I don't know about you, man, but I, you know, I, live, on, I live on the east side, right? I was born and raised on the east side, so don't judge me, okay? But when I left for about, man, about seven, about, I want to say seven years from the area and came back, you know, when I used to hear the big bass sound, usually someone dropping some rap beats or something. Cars coming around, hmm, 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 hmm. Come to the east side and you hear that same bass, but it's banda. It's like, what, what? You're destroying a great baseline here. I mean, they're, they're, you know, if you enjoy mariachi, I'm, I'm no hating on you or anything like that. I'm just, it's just not my, it's not my thing, you know? <laughs> so I'm sitting, I'm sitting, you know, Saturday nights, I get to bed early because we got church on Sunday morning. I'm ready for God. I'm ready for you. I'm preparing myself. I don't want to be distracted. I, I take time to pray, to seek the face of God, to come here to share the word with you. But I, I got a guy that lives in our neighborhood that has his own banda band. And the brother cannot sing. I mean, I don't have to understand what he's trying to sing, but I can still tell he's off key. <laughs> My wife and I are cracking up. He said, this guy got money because he can afford the system. He just can't afford lessons. <laughs> and you know what? I don't mind hearing the noise, or excuse me, the music. I don't mind hearing the music at 7, 8 o'clock, even 9 o'clock. I'm down, 10 o'clock. Go ahead, do your thing, man. Get them tubas going. I ain't, even, I ain't even tripping when it gets down. 10.30, started to get a little perturbed. 11 o'clock, I'm like, dude, I got church tomorrow. Midnight, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm getting my shotgun. So I'm about to put some holes in some bases here. These guys are worshiping. Two outsiders are worshiping in the middle of this dungeon, and it's midnight, and the prisoners aren't cussing them out. They're, they're not upset because they're releasing a sound of freedom that they've never heard before. How do I know that? Because when the Bible says that the jail doors swung open, not one of them left. Because they had never felt such freedom in their lives. Such an atmosphere of peace. That the praise that Paul and Silas released caused God to show up to where the chains not only fell off. In fact, look at verse 26. Notice this. This is powerful. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. 
there was a great earthquake in the foundations. I'm here to tell you that the very foundations of your problems, the very foundations of your bondage, the very foundation of that depression are about to be shaken because God is about to open some things up. And immediately all the doors, somebody say all the doors, were open. Now, now that, that's cool for the person that steps into the cell and the door closes. I can see it unhinging and then the little shaking causing the door to swing open. But when you're in a dungeon and they put that iron door down over you and that door flops open, that ain't no accident. What I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what's holding you back. My God can open up any door, any prison door of your life. Nothing will hold you back. And what's so cool is everyone, somebody say everyone. Everyone's chains were loosed. That challenges me so much. That you need to stop complaining about where you're at. And start praying and praising. Why? Do you understand that Paul and Silas weren't there for them? Their praise and prayer set everyone in that prison free. You're where you're at right now because God sent you there to set some people free. But the longer you complain about where you're at, the longer not only do you stay where you're not supposed to be, but you end up locking down everyone around you as well. You're there if you would respond correctly and let God come in. You are not only going to set yourself free, but you're going to set your brother free. You're going to set your aunt free. You're going to set your family free. You're going to set your community free. Oh, come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. You are not there to be chained up. You are there to set someone free. Stand to your feet this morning. Come on. Yes, Lord. Have the worship team come take your place this morning. Prayer team, come and stand with me. You're here and you're going through a time of bondage. It's all right. Going through a time in your life right now where you feel locked down. Uncomfortable even. I want you to know this is not the end. You have the ability to praise not only yourself free, but those around you free as well. I don't know about you. I don't want to live in bondage anymore. I'm tired of living in bondage. Certain things in my life, I'm tired of living locked up. It's time for freedom. It's time for freedom. It's time for freedom. Come on. It's time to be free. First thing I want us to do right now is pray. Whether you're facing a crisis or not, I want us to pray. And I want you to invite God into your life. Now, I'm not saying you're, you're asking God into your heart. You, you, many of you have already done that. What you're asking is God into your life. Include God in your life. So, Father, right now, we invite you into our lives. We invite you into our life right now, my God. I invite you, my God, into my marriage, into my 
dating life, my God. I invite you into my finances, my job, my schooling, my education. I invite you, my God, in, into my addictions, into my past. I invite you, God. Come on, invite God right now. Invite the presence of God into your situation. Invite the presence of God through prayer right now. Invite Him. Verbalize it right now. God, I give you permission. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.